Hello, my name is Danielle Casey, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Love Lutheran Church, located in Austin, Texas. I would like to welcome you as part of our family as you join us for the audio portion of our Sunday morning worship service today. You may also choose to watch this service as a video broadcast by looking for the YouTube link in the description of the podcast. You may also go to our website, tllc.org, and look for the recorded Sunday worship service. Through this website, you can also find out more information about our congregation. Join us now as we begin our service with a musical prelude. I'm Pastor Danielle Casey, and we are delighted to have you joining us for worship where you are on this Transfiguration Sunday. Just a few announcements and reminders. We continue to gather your prayer requests, so send those in to us here at the church office. We also thank you for sharing your offering, whether you're doing that online or with one of our envelopes. If you haven't yet picked up your 2021 packet of envelopes, we have those here at the church for you to come grab during office hours. Lent begins this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday the 17th. We invite you to come and pick up your ashes and Lenten devotions, as well as Lent to-go boxes for children, youth, and family. And now we begin our service with a confession and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose voice is upon the waters, 
whose mercy is poured out on all people, whose goodness cascades over all creation. Amen. Let us confess our sin, trusting in the abundant grace of God. Holy God, you search us and know us. You are acquainted with all our ways. We confess that our hearts are burdened by sin, our own sins, and the broken systems that bind us. We turn inward, failing to follow your outward way of love. We distrust those who are not like us. We exploit the earth and its resources and fail to consider generations to come. Forgive us, gracious God, for all we have done and left undone. Even before the words are on our tongues, you know them. Receive them in your divine mercy. Amen. How vast is God's grace. Through the power and promise of Christ Jesus, our sins are washed away, and we are claimed as God's own beloved children. Indeed, we are forgiven. In the wake of God's forgiveness, we are called to be the beloved community, living out Christ's justice and the Spirit's peace. Amen. We sing. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son, and illumine the world with your image, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I now invite our young people to gather around to join Deacon Bree for a children's message.
Good morning. Today I'm going to tell you a couple stories, um, but I wanted to point out that it is a new day. It's Transfiguration Sunday, so you'll notice that the paramounts have changed, and Pastor Danielle and I are wearing a different color on our stoles, and there's a different color on the altar, that it's white today. And just for this Sunday, because next Sunday you'll notice that it's going to change again. But uh, it, the reason it changes is because there's a story today about change and about truth and about the things that we see and that we don't want to see because they might be a little scary. So the story I'm going to tell you first is actually from my own life. So um, I originally went to this school called Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio for the first three semesters of my college career. And I joined uh, the campus, like, uh, Bible group, Lutheran group, campus, Lutheran campus ministry, that was what it's called. I joined Lutheran campus ministry, and it was a pretty cool group of people. I didn't always hang out with them like I probably should have, like my mom wanted me to, but I did go as often as I could. And one time, we played a bunch of games. Now, Wittenberg has this big chapel that's kind of looks like an old cathedral, and it's got a big organ that's like built into the walls. The sanctuary doesn't quite look like this one. So, we decided to play this game sardines and I don't know if you guys any of you guys out there have ever played it before but it's sort of like hide and seek except for that when you find the person that's hiding you hide with them now I and if the last person to find them ends up kind of wandering around by themselves now it was at nighttime and it was in this big cathedral and it had a big spire and there were all these closets and there was lots of really good places to hide but there was one closet in particular up a very small stairwell that was behind an organ that was all dark filled with a bunch of stuff I couldn't see and I did not want to look in there. So time goes on and I'm looking all over everywhere else and people keep disappearing and then eventually uh, I'm getting very frustrated and I sit down in the sanctuary because I don't want to look in that one place because it was too scary for me to look in. And that's when I hear all of my friends start to sing a song. They started to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and I can hear them, and they were in that one room that I refused to look into because I was too scared, because it was too dark. That's a little bit about what happens in today's story. So there's a couple stories, both of which are good. One is actually a Camp Hope story about Elijah and Elisha. But the one about Jesus is that Jesus goes up on a, a mountain to hang out with his friends, Peter, John, and uh, James. And when he's up there, what happens is that Jesus is transformed before them. He turns dazzlingly bright. Um, he, like, they say that he's brighter than even bleach could make. And uh, the glory of the Lord is shining all around him. And all of a sudden, Peter, James, and John realize that Jesus is not just a really great teacher. He's not just a really kind man. He's not just um, someone who can perform miracles. That there's, there's, he's the Messiah. He's the one that they've been reading about. He's the one that they've been waiting for. But... It's too much for them to look at. It's too much for them to handle. And so Peter, James, and John start doing all sorts of weird things. They're like, Jesus, this is so good. Let's build houses here on this hill and live here forever. Jesus, this is so good. Let's 
you know, how can I make you more comfortable in this moment? And Jesus is kind of like, what? we're just up here for a little second. Like, you guys are just here to understand, and then we've got work to get back to. And I think it's because kind of like me not wanting to look in that one room because it was too dark and too scary that Peter, James, and John are so overwhelmed by what this means that they just kind of don't know what to do with their hands. Have you guys ever felt like that? Where you were so worried or so anxious that you just had to do something? You just had to do a puzzle or you just had to bake a cake or you just had to get on and play video games. You couldn't just sit there with it, right? Um, And that's what transfiguration is kind of all about. It's about the truths of the universe, the things that are all around us that are real all the time, but sometimes we don't see them, right? Jesus was the Messiah even before he shone dazzling white. Jesus was the one that they had read about even before they went up on the mountain, but they just suddenly realized it. And in that realization, they just didn't know what to do. It's hard sometimes to meet truths head on, and it's scary sometimes when we know that something is real and we just don't want to do it. Like, I didn't want to go and look in that closet. It's scary even for me to think about it now sometimes. But what I want to remind you is that Jesus is who we look to in those moments, and he is not scared. He actually is... Uh, resigned to tell them it's okay like it's going to be okay we're going to go back down and you guys don't even have to talk about this if you don't want to he actually says don't talk about it which we'll get to uh later in in our uh, lenten journey together so i want you guys to think about what you can do to remember what can make you comfortable when you see those scary moments when you feel that anxiety that worry bubble up when you don't want to do what's hard What's a little prayer, a little reminder that you can have that Jesus is with you, that you aren't alone, and that it's going to be okay? I know for me, I think about that song that my friends sang to make the closet a lot less scary. It was a mighty fortress is our God, cause, which we sing every Reformation Sunday, but maybe there's another little song that reminds you that Jesus loves you, or maybe there's a poem that you can read uh, or remember or a favorite story, something that calms you down and remi- helps you remember that it's going to be okay and that Jesus is with you. So that's what I want you to find this week, is something that can help you with that worry, something that can help you with that anxiety, that helps you move forward with Jesus into our Lenten journey and beyond. So with that being said, let us pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Help us to find something that's comfortable, even when we're scared, and remind us that we are loved. Amen. All right, go in peace and serve the Lord. A reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of his world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is 
the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please ride for the reading of the gospel. The gospel today comes from Mark 9, starting at the second verse. Six days later, Jesus took him, Peter, James, and John, and led up a, that led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared with them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus, and then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from that cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what he had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. We sing. Sometimes I think that these minor holidays that we have in our faith have lost quite a lot of their luster. I'm not sure how many people who like didn't attend seminary would say Transfiguration Sunday is their favorite holiday of the year. Or anyone who tells their friends, well, we can't really go away this weekend because our family is celebrating Transfiguration Sunday. 
And I kind of get that because Transfiguration Sunday is meta. It's a distinct day where we remind ourselves that perhaps the truest reality is not the only one that we can touch and see. It's a day where we embrace change and newness, or at least try to. It's a day that we confess to ourselves that we might not know as much as we think we do, and maybe we know nothing at all. How do you put existence as a multi-layered puzzle that I am not putting together onto a really pretty card that you buy at Target? In our Old Testament text today, we have the ending of the story of Elijah and Elisha. And I have to tell you, I love this whole story for so many reasons, but one of them is I really resonate to Elisha's experience of grief when he knows he's about to lose his mentor. I've talked about this before, but a prophet is not someone who sees the future. A prophet is someone who sees the truth, the truest reality that is currently possible. I tell our high school kids that there is a difference between facts and truth, and that difference is that truth is forever. Example, the world is flat was at one time a fact until it wasn't because we understood more about our solar system, but that fact didn't change the truth of how our solar system operates. Mermaids were once thought to be real because of many eyewitness accounts, but those turned out to actually be manatees, a new species that we had never seen before, but our understandings of manatees didn't change the fact that manatees existed. Facts are constantly challenged by truths but truths have always existed. And when you push a truth really, really hard and far, the things that truly stand the test of time are really personal stuff like love and connection and also truly impassive things like entropy and math. So in this story of Elisha and Elijah, we have these prophets who are telling Elisha that Elijah is going to die today. And Elisha says, I know, shh, don't worry about it. And going along with all the lies that Elijah is spinning, trying not to burden Elisha with what's about to happen. But Elisha won't leave him. And Elisha won't look away. Change is barreling right down towards him, and he is committed to being fully aware and present. Which brings me to my first question for you guys today. How do you handle change? When was a time that you knew that things were going to change forever? And how did you respond? Even as Elisha is aware of the truth that things are about to change forever and he greets it faced forward, he also grieves. It still punches him right in the gut and he shreds his shirt and weeps at the end of the story. The truth is like that. It's personal and connected and it's impassive and cold. It always pushes us forward and somehow it always brings us back to ourselves. But not all of us can see that truth and not all of us embrace it even once we do. In all three of our texts today, not everyone can see the truth of what's happening. Elijah still thinks that he can spare Elisha some pain by tricking him into not following. 
Peter, James, and John have absolutely no idea what's going going on around them and keep making the most ridiculous suggestions. And Paul tells us that sometimes the good news of God is veiled when we become too attached to the world that we think that we can touch, see, and smell. And I think that this is true in our lives today. We have all had people in our lives that can see the truth in the world. They remind us of ourselves and they challenge us to remember others, not just ourselves. And they push us to see that there's a much larger picture that they can even sometimes wake us up. So when I was 18 years old, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of had no idea. I wasn't particularly good at any one thing, and I had not discovered my own ambition yet. I ended up going to Wittenberg University, as you heard in the children's sermon today, for a number of reasons. But the largest one, or one of the largest ones, was that it was a liberal arts school, and I really didn't have to pick any direction yet, and also they gave me a lot of money. So... It was settled and I moved up to Ohio and started my college career. And pretty shortly after that, I hated it. I just absolutely realized how incredibly miserable I was almost every day. I only lasted three semesters at Wittenberg University. I'm so thankful that moving to Ohio meant I was just down the street from a lot of family. And looking back, I'm even thankful for the discovery of something that I hate. But I remember a moment sitting on my aunt's couch on the phone with my friend Rosella, crying, deciding to leave college with no clear path forward. And I had no idea what I would do next. Rosella was and still is a person that reminded me that a place doesn't get to tell me who I am and that the work of discernment is always worth it. But that moment on the phone on that old velvet blue couch that belonged to my grandmother would be the moment I now see as me turning my eyes towards the future. I turned myself towards where I would go. I also don't want to sugarcoat this and point out that I did not handle that change well. A season of depression, frustration, disappointment, and struggle followed for quite a few years. I think that that's the reality of really letting the truth set in. And I think that that's why James and Peter and John scramble for something to do with their hands and Elisha fell to his knees and ripped his shirt. The truth can set us free and it does, but honestly, do we really want to be free? We imagine that if we, if we are doing what is true and good, then life will be easy. But that is not real. Easy Mac does not taste the same as homemade macaroni and cheese. It's fine in a pinch, and it can often be comforting, but it doesn't really taste as good, and it's definitely not as nutritious. God always gives us people that tell us the truth. Cold truths, hard truths, truths that we have always known, and truths that set us free. Which brings me to my next question. Who in your life has told you the truth, and have you accepted it? In scripture, truth means something dies, something ends. 
For Moses, it meant living into who he actually was, the, fa- the Pharaoh's grandson who was born a slave, and letting the idea of himself as a farmer die. For Paul, it was the death of his entire former life, a powerful government official above reproach who became a man of new faith who would ultimately be punished by that same system he once ran. For Mary, it was the death of all of her ideas about marriage and starting a family and risking single motherhood in the first century just to say yes to God. For us, I think it's knowing that it's time to leave a job or a relationship. It's that call to go back to school and start something new. It's the sinking feeling that our parents' goals for us and our goals for ourselves are different. It's the moment that we start to ask the question, who benefits from this, about our rhythms of work-life balance. It's the moment before one comes out of the closet. When we hear the voice of truth call to us, do we follow? I ask the question because I think looking back on my own life, I can say that the temptation to choose ease and comfort instead of turning myself towards change is real. The temptation to believe that the good life is an easy life can sometimes be overwhelming. But that temptation will lead you to think that death in any form is not easy. So how can death be part of a good life? And yet we have this faith that says death is what leads to new life. It has a place. You can't step around it. You have to move through it, and you should expect your own transformation in the process. Yes, you should expect grief, but you should also expect joy. This existential holiday that asks us, do we know what is true in our lives, and do we remember that that truth is from God, and can we look at it, is important. Because it is when we turn ourselves towards the cross with Jesus, towards death. Which is my third question. What is something that you knew was true about yourself or about the universe? This year has been massively full of death. There is so much to grieve that honestly, I have not even begun to contemplate all the people, places, rhythms, and trajectories of life that have been lost. But I can trust that the truth of our lives has not changed. Regardless of what we have lost, it is the same. And while things might never be the same around us, that just might mean that they are now being made new for us. From what I gather from Elisha and Jesus in today's text, that means that I can't turn my face from the hard stuff I might see. I might actually have to look towards it to discover that there are truths there to see. That all life has dignity. That love and forgiveness is powerful. And that the world turns and seasons change without my effort at all. And the truest true is that death changes none of those things. I'm not sure if you sort of caught that to me, basically death and change are the synonyms because they both throw us into states of grief. 
And I really want to tell you comforting things right now. I want to tell you that change will stop, that you'll get a chance to breathe, and everything will be okay. But I can't tell you that because it's not real. Pandemic or not, it's not true. What I can tell you is that you are loved even when you ignore your own truth. That you need rest because all things, great and small, created by God, need rest. And that grief is normal and not even God is immune to its effects. And I finally remind you that death is not the final word. Change is not the final word. There is joy that comes before, during, and after. So now it's time to turn ourselves towards the hard stuff, to let our truths be revealed, and to follow our Savior into the promises of new life on the other side of change. Amen. Open our eyes, O God, that we may see Jesus transfigured to a dazzling light, the light of the world, your light. We worship you with our words of prayer. Give us ears to listen to you speak your saving truth.
just as you met Christ on the mountaintop. Meet us, Lord. Transform us from the inside out and help us bring your transforming light and presence to the lives of those crushed with sickness or pain, those weighed down with confusion or grief. Bring your healing touch to those lives today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us bring your peace to a troubled society where people are unsure of so much and change comes so quickly. Fill us with your wisdom when problems seem overwhelming. Help us to be beacons for you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us to live our lives as a reflection of your glory. May we bring light to dark places, hope to displace despair, and love to cast out hate. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift these prayers of joy and concern from our congregation to you, O God. We lift up our prayers of thanksgiving for our triumphant love ministry, especially for our campus reopening task force and their work for the safety and health of our congregation and our community. We pray for those in need of healing, especially for Myron, Jess, Mylan, BJ, Deanna, Raymond, Yates, Karen, and Kevin. For those in treatment for cancer, especially Lene, Barbara, Bob, Donovan, Doug, and Jane. We pray for those who mourn the loss of loved ones, especially for Dennis Vanderwerf and the loss of his wife, Elna, the Knight family and the loss of Myrtle, and the Erickson family and Marv and Daryl Klott and the loss of Hans, and for those in our hearts and minds now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the gift of love on this Valentine's Day and for all those who touch our lives with their love. Continue to fill our hearts with your love and let us share that love on this day and always. Amen. And the peace of Christ be with you always. Please share the peace of Christ with those around you and with those you meet throughout this week. To give to our ministry, please mail in or drop off your offering. You may also give online by visiting our website at tllc.org or scanning the QR code below. Together, we are forming faith from roots to fruit.
Let us pray. O God, receive these gifts as you receive us, like a mother receives her child with arms open wide. Nourish us anew in your tender care and empower us in faithful service to tend to others with this same love. Through Jesus Christ, our saving grace. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star, he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, you proclaimed him your beloved son. And in the transfiguration on a mountaintop, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O holy God. You are the life and light of all. By your powerful word, you created all things. Through the prophets, you called your people to be a light to the nations. Blessed are you for Jesus, your son. He is your light shining in our darkness and revealing to us your mercy and might. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. By your spirit, bless us in this meal, that refreshed with this heavenly food, we may be light for the world, revealing the brilliance of your Son. Amen. And gathered into one by that same Spirit, we pray as Jesus taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
We now invite you to share the body and blood of Christ, serving yourself and those in your household. Those not receiving the sacrament may receive a sign of blessing on the forehead, making the shape of the cross. The body of Christ given for you. And the blood of Christ shed for you. Let us pray. Christ Jesus, at this table we have feasted on your very life and are strengthened for our journey. Send us forth from this banquet nourished in body and in spirit to proclaim your good news and serve others in your name. Amen. And God, the creator, strengthen you. Jesus, the beloved, fill you. And the Holy Spirit, the comforter, bring you peace now and forever. Amen. We sing. Thank you. 
just a reminder before we dismiss for today that we do have ashes for distribution at home on Ash Wednesday. They are ready for you here at the church to pick up. You can simply use the Q-tip to mark the sign of the cross on your forehead or smudge the ashes on your finger to mark yourself or those in your household. We have our Crossroads-themed devotions here for you to pick up, as well as boxes, Lent-to-go boxes for children, youth, and families to use. Please RSVP for those to the church office. And now, go in peace. Share the light of Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to our message today. We are Triumphant Love Lutheran Church and are affiliated with the Southwest Texas Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. We are located in Austin, Texas. You can follow us on our website, www.tllc.org. We look forward to you seeking us out as our podcasts progress and further episodes are added. You have a great day, and may the Lord be with you.